This is one simple word. Together we are reading through Matthew. Showing us Jesus and how he fulfills the promises of Messiah and King. Matthew chapter 9 is where we are today. And we're in a little bit of a struggle today. (laughs) Are we? Yes. Can you hear his voice? He sounds like a teenage boy going through puberty. We are holding off this. Or maybe you don't sound like a teenage boy. You kind of sound like a... Grandpa. <laughs> it changes by the hour. No, he has a little bit of a cold. Yeah. So we're going to just manage through this. But we are in chapter nine. And today our one simple word is questions. Yes. Questions, plural? Yes. Okay. Jesus asks a lot of questions. All right. He? And uh, really just four in this passage. But I think one of the things is just... Uh, the amazing way that Jesus uses questions, and sometimes he's not necessarily looking for an answer. He's using it to make us think. He's using it to draw us in or draw them in. And he does this throughout his whole ministry, even down to the end, right? Right. He's, you know, being questioned, and he's the one giving questions. Right. I think it would be really an awesome thing through the rest of Matthew just to pay attention to these questions. And we've got four of them here today, so why don't you share the first two? Okay, so we have the paralytic man and i thought you were going to talk about him okay because he's your favorite yeah well i just love this miracle because it's probably one of the best miracles for apologetics just a defense of the faith because we don't just have jesus in proclaiming who he is but we also have him reading the minds of these guys who don't believe in him so they're sitting back on the back wall saying this man is blaspheming and jesus knowing their thoughts said why do you think evil in your heart so just imagine that ability somebody's thinking evil about you and you, and you can know it read their minds and jesus was doing that and that should have been enough to kind of cause them to be altered in their thinking about who he was But then he sticks the next question to them, and he says, for which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? And I always say he asks that question because it's far easier to say, your sins are forgiven, because nobody knows whether or not your soul has been washed clean or not. So I could go around proclaiming that on the streets of Albion, your sins are forgiven, claiming I had the power to forgive sin, but (laughs) where would the evidence of that be? And they know the answer to this question he asks, like it's easier to say that. So then he just looks at the paralyzed man and says, rise up and walk. And he does, and I love it. You would think after these questions, they continuously look foolish. Right. But they keep going at it. But let's go down to verse 14, and there's a question about fasting. And the Pharisees are like, hey, the disciples aren't fasting. Why not? They're kind of having a problem with that. And Jesus says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Like, Fasting is a type of mourning, 
And so why would they mourn when they're with Jesus? Right, right. We don't mourn until the bride and groom leave. And so he's just clearly stating that and just an interesting way to pose the question. And then I just got to, I have to read this because I picked up a book by a guy named Wynn Collier. He went to the same college that we did and he wrote this book, Holy Curiosity. Do you want me to read it? Um, Maybe it would be better, but he just helps us understand what Jesus is up to and how these questions aren't just posed in the middle of Matthew chapter 9, but really get to our hearts as well. And so, Amber, why don't you read that paragraph I found? Okay. Then Jesus' questions refuse to stay put in dusty Palestine. They make an unsettling turn towards us. Originally posed to distant people on a far distant day, these questions, as all Jesus' questions do, get personal and begin to meddle. We find ourselves the characters in these stories, the grieving sister, the fearful friend, the power-crazed hypocrite, the wallowing invalid. Finding our place with them, we discover that Jesus' questions, first tossed in their direction, become our own disorienting gracious queries. This soul work, this asking of true heart deep questions, is an art we learn from Jesus. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So whenever I come on these questions Jesus asks, it really pinpoints and gets very personal to me. And this last one that he asks in this chapter, this blind man comes into him and Jesus says to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They wanted him to heal and give them sight. And then he just says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Yes, Lord. Lord. So I love that. This question, this final question is used to stir up faith and cause us to know where our true faith rests. So don't be afraid to ask questions. We have the perfect example in Jesus Christ for putting up those questions. Ask questions. But the best answer when dealing with the Lord Jesus is to answer, yes, Lord. We are so glad you're joining us on this journey through the life of Jesus. Read, listen, worship, and let God use his word in your life today.